Welcome to Crushing on Callisto 6, a limited run podcast where I fangirl over a limited run RPG on Project Alpha, plus craft talk inspired from the show. This episode is recorded after the release of issue number one, so it may contain spoilers. Okay, so when the Shield of Tomorrow folks said that they were putting together a new RPG, um, a lot of the ticklers used the word cyberpunk. Um, okay, so here's the confession. I'm in my mid to late 40s, and so when I think cyberpunk, I'm thinking about like when I was in college and, uh, and late high school, and the movie Blade Runner, and I read a lot of William Gibson, um, and when you thought cyberpunk, you thought not only like mirror glasses, but you also thought like dark and dirty and deep division in the classes. And yet, even if you were, you had a lot of money, you couldn't afford your lights and everybody's living in an industrial building and that sort of thing. Um, I think what I, so that's kind of a little what I was expecting because that was my history. But um, what I really like about, about this particular setting is even though it's quote unquote cyberpunk, it's like that not too distant future. Um, there's sunshine and light and warmth. There's still growth. Um, it's one of those, uh, it's recognizable and has homes and habits and things that, the fact that you could get like an Uber-like car, and it doesn't matter that it, it you know, floats or whatever. But, um, and I think the, why this works is it's one of those things you can recognize actually being in this world. And I, now I'm thinking of influences like, you know, Hunger Games. Yes, at the Capitol, they had like those over-the-top fashions and stuff. But, but everybody in the districts had kind of a recognizable lived life. Um, and Black Mirror, for sure, has like, I think some of the episodes, one of the reasons why they tweak my brain so much is because it's like, it's very recognizable. It's like, I can see this happening. Um, the other thing I really like about this world is in most uh, cyberpunk type settings, it seems like the class divide is an economic divide is so huge and here I can kind of still see like subtleties of uh, the waning middle class kind of like what we have now and um, that kind of makes it again a little more insidious of what life in this world is like and the kinds of tech you can afford and, um, and and I guess that's why I really love genre fiction in general be it comic books or fantasy or science fiction is that you can um, by taking issues and putting them in a different setting it kind of allows people to talk about them and so they so I really really love the setting of uh, Callisto 6 and I'm looking forward to seeing more of this world Okay, so I have to admit that part of the setting was um, a little bit triggering in a way. Uh, I live in Houston, which is a Gulf Coast city, and um, 
this world, I, I think it embraced a lot of what's most likely going to happen in, with the current global warming. And again, that's very compelling and it gives you a lot to talk about because it's in a different setting. Um, I'm, I'm originally from Northern California. I grew up in San Jose. And so living with the whole California is gonna drop into the ocean because of the big earthquake mythos has, you know, that's kind of like built into your bones. Um, so of course it makes me wonder what this world was like. It's like what, we know what Los Angeles looks like and I'm like, what does the San Francisco Bay Area look like? You know, how far inward did it get? Um, so I almost want like a map of, of the United States to see what that is. And of course, you know, me living on, in, on the Gulf Coast in Houston, I want to see, um, you know, it can't just affect the, the West Coast. There's what about the rest? The United States must look very different in this world. And I really want to see it. Um, where it kind of got triggery a little bit is it's kind of like uh, this world is built in kind of post-disaster. Um, and Eric mentioning that the convention center was um, kind of a community hub like um, in Katrina. See, that doesn't have great memories for me because a lot of bad things happened there. Um, I just, we just lived through Harvey, but uh, since I've lived here in Houston, it's been, what, over 20 years? Um, we lived, uh, living through uh, natural disasters is kind of like, well, it's kind of like living in California and expecting, and expecting earthquakes. You just, it's just part of your daily rhythm. Um, we lived through Tropical Storm Allison, I think was the first that we had really dealt with. Um, it, it took out one of our cars. The water came up waist deep in the street, which is normally drained, and it took out one of our cars. Um, the house was fine, because we were living on uh, like a little bit of a hill. Um, when Rita came along, which was really close to, to uh, Hurricane Katrina, we remembered how awful that was, and the whole city tried to evacuate all at once, and that's where like the deaths happened on the highways. We did not try to escape during that time. Um, I had to work a night shift and I got out of the library, the public library where I worked um, at about nine o'clock. And I remember driving over one of the highways and seeing it packed and saying, okay, I'm not gonna go home that way. And we had just moved into our house that we had. And I remember that night we looked around at our neighbors and we saw cars and we said, okay, you know, if they're still here, we're probably fine. And then we woke up the next morning and everybody had cleared out and we thought, what have we done? And we knew that there was no place to go. We couldn't get out um, because of the highways. It was just, there was just no way, it, we were trapped essentially. And then our neighbors started coming home and so then we do the check-in of like, you know, we have the supplies, do you have the supplies? And kind of checking in with it. Um, with Hurricane Ike, we, I remember living through the actual hurricane and, um, having the boards up on our bedroom window and our neighbor's pecan tree, <laughs> all the pecans smashing against the, the, the uh, pieces of plywood that my husband had put up and being very grateful. And then the power went out before the storm really got started and we had 11 days without power. And it was still, it was warm, but it wasn't overwhelmingly hot, which really helped because it can be pretty tropical hot here. 
but it was we would watch as like we would go on these long we would take the dog for the walk for a walk and we would go to the far end of the street and we would watch like the electricity come like on like block by block by block and we would try like maybe tomorrow we'll have it maybe tomorrow we'll have it maybe so it was it was very strange and trying to figure out like what to do um uh, with harvey the funny thing is for a hurricane harvey was horrible with houston and i'm sure most people have seen the pictures um for us personally it wasn't we'd actually had more water a couple months before with this big rainstorm that happened over tax tax day that came up our um, our lawn it, this time with the hurricane with hurricane harvey it it closed off the end of our block but that cleared off pretty quickly um, we never lost power i think we knew that we couldn't get very far. We couldn't use some of the highways. Most, almost nothing was open. Um, so we had to say, okay, so how much food do we have? How much cat food and dog food do we have? Um, which is one of the reasons why you, you store up stuff. And being a California girl and always having earthquakes, that's kind of like in my habit, again, in my bones already. But, um, and going to the grocery store for the hearing that it's open for the first time and it's like it was full and the lines were long and yet everybody was like so happy to see somebody else besides their family um, uh, some of my friends lost parts of lost, lost their homes um, and it took them months and months and months to rebuild and that was really hard there were a lot of pe there were some people that I knew that was like Katrina, where it was their house was so flooded it wasn't worth coming back to Houston, um, and that's made interesting, interesting uh, situations with the real estate uh, and what houses are worth. Um, I work for I'm a librarian for the county library, and we lost four libraries. Um, one is kind of in a, all, three of them have opened, but it took them months and months and months and a lot of hard work. And that's actually how I started listening to uh, Geek and Sundry RPG shows. I listened to, I listened to uh, Foreververse while I was doing uh, Harvey Inventory. Um, but it was, it, it, it was rough. You know, we had to keep telling ourselves that, you know, it takes six months to a year to, for things to recover completely. And um, we, it's interesting to watch each other that we still really kind of get, we hear thunder or really hard rain and everybody tenses up. It's like, um, we're wondering if it's going to come back. And it's a weird kind of like background vibration in your head. So I living in this, so back to Callisto 6, this post-disaster world, um, the fact that things took so long and what recovered and what didn't, and knowing that for some people there's going to be a lot of PTSD for a long time, um, that's a very, very real thing that I think Eric is building very well into this world.
Now for something a little lighter than that. Um, so, of course, my first reaction to any show is what can I create out of it? I love to knit and crochet uh, animals specifically. Um, I don't have to worry about gauge and fit. And um, I also like the sculptural structure. And also it's like super satisfying to um, give something to someone where it's real cuddly and loving. And um, I think that was when I was inspired to make the Puppy Targ for the Shield of Tomorrow cast, that um, seeing him loved so much was the most satisfying thing. And it was goofy, but I just kind of lost my brain every time I saw him on camera, whether it was on Behind the Shield or Shield of Tomorrow. Um, I teased Bonnie about like hogging him. And of course I had to, well, she commissioned a second one all in purple. And, and that was so gratifying and also gratifying to see her wear the earring. It's like, those are the kind of things that when you make something, it's, it's so fulfilling. So of course, you know, that's my first reaction. The thing is, this is a limited run show and I know they don't check their PO boxes very often, which is totally no judgment because, you know, running, um, running the things that you do, it takes time and you have limited staff and resources and I get it. It's okay. But, um, but I can't not make something. Um, I was playing around with the idea of an electronic sheep. Um, I may still do it. I have some safety eyes and some weird colors, but, uh, what I'm making while I watch is I started, uh, I started a robot since, um, there seems to be a lot of robots in this world. Uh, the pattern itself is called Robot of the Future. It's by Marilee Norris and it can be found in the book Knit for Nerds. Um, this is one of those patterns. It's like, it's supposed to be inspired by Cybermen from Doctor Who, which, you know, I love to. Um, and uh, I, I kind of, I've always wanted to do this and this just kind of gives me um, an excuse. It's a very simple knitted pattern. It's a doll, which I nor normally don't do dolls. I normally do animals, but um, um, I'm using metallic yarn and I think I'm, I'm really kind of, kind of loving it. It's a, it's a great pattern so far. So, um, and again, I would love to send it to the cast, but I don't think it'll work and they're probably getting way too much anyway. Um, but if it, but as a side note, if any of the cast um, falls in love with it, I can make arrangements, yo. Um, when I'm done, I'll either probably keep him, I, I'll have to figure it out when it happens. I'll um, keep him, maybe I'll sell him on Etsy, on my Etsy shop, or I may figure out like some kind of raffle or something. I'll, what I will try and do is um, put up weekly progress pictures on Instagram. On Instagram, I am slightly underscore foxed, uh, which is, you know, I couldn't take slightly foxed because some jerk didn't realize that was branded to me. So um, you can find me on Instagram, um, S-L-I-G-H-T-L-Y underscore F-O-X-E-D. And I will show you um, some updated pictures. You also get to see a lot of the other things that I worked on, um, including an angry uterus. <laughs> and, lots, and lots of kitten pictures too. Um, 
And you can also, if you knit or crochet, you can also friend me on Ravelry. Um, I'm slightly foxed there, S-L-I-G-H-T-L-Y-F-O-X-E-D. Um, if you've ever wondered, it's kind of, there's an explanation, it's kind of a pun. Um, uh, it, it's a pun on like how books age. Uh, and since I'm a library, it fits, it makes sense. So, so okay, I'll show you pictures of my robot, yo. And then, and then of course I'm gonna need a name. And of course in my head, it's always gonna sound like Eric. Thank you so much for listening to the very first episode of um, Crushing on Callisto 6. I'm looking forward to watching issue two. It, it, it's gonna be a great show and um, I'm loving what everyone has done with their character. I'm loving all the Easter eggs and good job guys. You know, if I could give you a hug, I would, you know, if, if, if that was okay with you. Um, next time, uh, I probably am going to talk about some of the characters and uh, what I like, what I don't like, what I'm connecting with. Um, so that'll be exciting. Again, thank you so much for joining me. And I will talk with you next time as I try and figure out, really, what is Callisto's?